fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. One ninja, two ninja, three ninjas. That's what the little white kid said as three black men were getting out of a car. Only he wasn't saying ninja. He was using the N-word. I wonder what would happen if CNN or MSNBC got a hold of that. How would the network news handle that? One ninja, two ninja, three ninjas. He was surprised. He, how, how did three ninjas get in such a, a little car? Well, <laughs> I tell you what. This took place in the late 1960s. And it was very controversial. And the reason why I know that is because one of the ninjas in the car was my father. My name is James C. Harris, sitting again for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. My name is James C. Harris, sitting in for, for Glenn Beck. I'm a radio talk show host uh, out of Phoenix, Arizona. The name of my show is The Conservative Circus, and I am the ringmaster. The big top is News Talk 550KFYI. You can check me out on Twitter. Just follow me at James T. Harris, also a James T. Harris Media on Facebook page. And, yes, I do. I try to respond to folks. Folks are already contacting us uh, through email and all that stuff, and I really Really appreciate it. That story I just told you. I first heard it when I was working with my father's friends. My father was from Mississippi. And his best friends in Milwaukee were all from Mississippi. Even though they didn't know each other in Mississippi. They come to know each other in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They were part of that second migration of Americans of African descent. Going from the south to the north because of jobs. Uh, That three-letter word, as Joe Biden said. Jobs. (laughs) Jobs. <laughs> anyway, my father and his friends loved to go fishing, and so uh, they did everything as a community. They they uh, you know uh, grew vegetables. They would always share it. They would come in. Uh, Zach would come in to the house with a big burlap burlap bag of peas, and we would have to like shell them, shuck them. I hated that stuff, but yeah, they would always do that. They would go fishing, and they would like split up the mess of fish. That's what they did. This time they were like about an hour, 45 minutes north of the big city and a small town. And they were good fishing there and they were getting out their stuff to go fishing. When they're a little kid on the side of the road, one ninja, two ninjas. Well, my father and his friend heard this and they were kind of stunned by it. The third friend, he got angry and he went after the little kid. And my dad and his friend grabbed him and held on to him like, what are you doing? It's a child. What do you what, what do you think they're going to do? He said, I'm going to, you know, teach him a lesson. No, you, no, you're not. This is, you know, remember, this is the 1960s. This is Wisconsin. They're out of the big city. Uh, the town that they're in is there's no there's no people of color there. And it's the 60s. Then. My father said something that I never, ever forgot. And I first heard the story as a teenager. He said to his friend, look, 
that kid doesn't know he's doing anything wrong. He doesn't even look scared. He just sees uh, three ninjas getting out of a car. He only knows what he's been taught. He was taught this. And my father's friend responded, okay, but then let's go kick his dad's assets. <laughs> and then they all laughed about it. And they went fishing. I'm hearing about this story like 20 years down the road. This took place before I was born. But what my father said, this was, he was taught. That child didn't grow up thinking these things. We could even say that, you know, as far as television, which I loathe. He didn't learn that from television. This is something that was passed on by the families. And the real shame is this is something that is still passed on by the families. But not to the same degree. If you were to ask me, is America racist? Uh-oh. I'm about to say something very controversial. I'm going to upset a lot of people. My answer would be, it depends. Racism does exist. Primarily. On CNN, MSNBC, and the Democrat Party. That's where you'll find it. If I'm not looking at television, I don't know about all of this racial so-called angst. If I'm not looking at television, I don't know about all of this anti-homophobic whatever. When I look at television, that's when I see it. And then I'm like, oh, my goodness, America, we, we never got over racism. When I see the Reverend Al Sharpton running to some new atrocity. It exists on television. And it exists in the minds, in the hearts of the people who still want to foment it. Our culture is not like it was in the 1960s, the 1950s, the 1940s. Oprah Winfrey is a very rich woman. And she's an American of African descent. And even though we have athletes who are disgruntled and want to take the knee because of the oppression in our country, they're millionaires for the love of God. Where else can you find that? They have the means to fight this oppression. But when they go to look for it, guess what? It's not there. Can we find an individual who is a bigot? Oh, of course we can. But now we've made up new terms like uh, uh, systemic racism, institutional racism. Why? Because it's not up in your face anymore. Because you can pretty much go anywhere you want to. Because you have full participation in this culture, in this society, if you want to. The problem is a lot of people do not want to. The problem is people are afraid. They're afraid to embrace the opportunity because they may have to leave behind the very familiar angst. It's a cup of sorrows. A cup of sorrows that tastes real good. And so we, we feed it. 
to each other and we feed it to our children. If that kid were to say something like that today, that same incident would happen. Oh my gosh. I can't even, I can't even begin to think. You know what? We don't have to imagine too much. Look at what happened to that kid that was wearing the, uh, the Make America Great Again hat, the, the little Catholic kid up there in Washington, D.C. When the Native American got all up in his face. Look, look at what happened. Look at how he was treated. Look at how he was destroyed by the media. And he didn't do anything wrong. It's almost like it's, it's not the content of your character today. It's the color of your baseball cap. Look how hatred now is being defined. It's not based on skin color unless... You are an American of European descent. If that is the case, politically, it is open season on you. And and who's bringing the fire? MSNBC, CNN, and the Democrat Party. Now, yeah, it's actually white folks who, who should be out there saying, we shall overcome. But you know what? They're not wearing it. They're not wearing it. They're not victims. We are not victims. Even though the media is trying to bully you into it. I got a great example for that. We're going to have that for you coming up next here. We, but, but, but let me leave you with this. Fear not. Fear not. Because we are in the season where we have all the power that, that we need. We just need to embrace it and speak truth to the ignorance. My name is James T. Harris. Sit again for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're having a conversation about identity politics. Identity politics is something that the Democrats have absolutely traded in, but I think now it's coming back to bite them in the assets. Uh, it used to be, you know, if you're a person of color, a black American, they're called African American, and then it was the Hispanic American, and then it was part of the alphabet people, the LGBT uh, community. Then, and then we, sexual preference, gender identity, uh, uh, cross-dresser story time, all of these things are supposed to be, oh, the, they're a special group, and they have special needs, and they have special recommendations. And they try to put them all together, corral them into one strong political group. It's not working. They try to have them under the umbrella of Marxist socialism. It's really not working. And yet they don't have another card to play. All you need to do is look at how the media and how uh, the Democrat Party, how the pundits, how Hollywood has treated President Trump. He's not a, he's not a, a moral virtue beacon of virtue here no no one claimed that he is but look at how they're trying to destroy him look at how they're going after him look at what they're saying about him the race card that's being played my goodness Pre president trump 
being a, a Hollywood figure, being a TV, being a TV star, he's hung out with all kinds of people. You got pictures with, with President Trump and Snoop Dogg, for God's sake. Snoop Doggy Dogg! But the moment he put that R behind his name and ran for, for presidency, he's reviled. You used to have rappers sing songs about how they want to be like Trump. He's racist now. And they'll drum up like hoaxes. Like Charlottesville. I'm not, I'm not diminishing the fact that someone was killed in that conflict. But the way the media has spun it is just a lie. Oh, there's good people on both sides. It's a lie. And anybody can go back and look at the transcripts. Whether we're talking about impeachment, a whistleblower. Why do you need a whistleblower? He released the transcripts. It's based on lies. And the only identity really right now uh, that, uh, uh, that, that, that the left's putting all of their energy into is just being a, a liberal, a leftist, to be a part of the resi resistance, opposed to this president and his policies. That's why we're seeing all of this craziness when it comes down to the to impeachment and all other kind of stuff. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit, but not too much. Why? Because American people are tired of it. I got a news for you, too. The American people are tired of identity politics. They're tired of being attacked over something they have absolutely nothing to do with. You know what? Right after the president was elected, you had Van Jones on CNN. I'll never forget it. That's because I I looked at MSNBC and, and, and CNN uh, next night after the, the <laughs> after President Trump became the 45th president of the United States. I watched the meltdown in Schadenfreude. I, I know. I was getting, I was gleeful. I know that's not right. That's not right. I have not repented of that yet. I still go back and I look at election night. <laughs> because it's so good. But, but in that, we get a glimpse at, uh, uh, what the left is really concerned about, what, where they have all of their, you know, their energy. And Van Jones gave us a snapshot. Yeah. This was the first real outburst of Trump derangement syndrome. Van Jones said uh, that Trump's win was a white lash against the first black president. <laughs> a white lash. Well, you know, Americans of African descent only make up 14% of the population. Which means, in order for Barack Obama to be elected, white folks had to vote for him. Okay. So it was nonsensical. It was an emotional moment. It was an emotional uh, outburst, but it was very, very instructive of what the left was headed towards in this nation. And now we've gone from the media attacking President Trump proper to attacking you and me, Trump supporters. Now, just so you know, I've been lumped in with most of you. I am no longer American of African descent. No, I am, as a matter of fact, I, uh, in my great state of uh, Arizona, I was dubbed by the left a, a black white supremacist early on. I think I may have been one of the first black white supremacists. Why? Because I support the president, but how does that make me a white supremacist that's black? <laughs> well, it, it does, what do you mean? It doesn't have to make sense. 
It's emotional. It's about the resistance. But it is real. And if you watch these television shows, you'll see that they are now. They're now attacking you. It's a wonderful progression. Got an example of this. I believe this was on MSNBC. Uh, they're going to roundtable. This is on the uh, 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 Joy Reid show. And, and they're just talking to these pundits. And what's crazy, well, actually, I'll let you hear it first. Here we go. Every news cycle in D.C. starts with a simple premise. What are Republicans angry about? Like 30 years, every day, that's what it starts. And, and so if they're angry about impeachment, then that's a big deal. Then they're on the offensive. Democrats are always on their heels. Republicans worship, uh, the press worships Republican hardball. And they always see Dems as being outmaneuvered. The demographics of the media, that, that the relatability of Republicans, that they, they seem more relatable or they right. seem like middle America. And so the media gravitates toward the Republican base. First of all, it's dangerous to even present this right. through the lens of uh, politics, right? right? This is not Republicans versus Democrats. This is truth versus lies. This is patriotism versus traitors. This obsession with how did Trump, you know, interviewing uh, people at Trump rallies to ask how they thought about impeachment. Uh, this obsession, and it goes back to the day after he was inaugurated, this obsession with interviewing white Midwestern Trump voters and asking them what they think about Trump, it is a dangerous, it is a racist message because the message is white Republicans are who matter in right. this country. Right. That's crazy. They're now pointing their, uh, their media guns at you. You are the problem. And white conservatism is the problem. Notice how they have to, you know, put that, uh, uh, racialize it. White conservatism, not conservatism. You see, because if you're a conservative, I'm a conservative. We share ideas, but the left can't get over their identity politics. In order for them to make something bad, they say it's white. You remember the whole Trayvon Martin case? Remember Zimmerman, who happened to be Hispanic? No, he was a white Hispanic. Now it's white conservatism. Now it's the white Republican Party. White is the bad here. And what's really crazy is a white person saying this about white people. What would happen if it's reverse? Black liberalism, boy, I gotta say, I'm real, black liberalism is the bane of this society. Well, I become, I become, if black liberals will just stay home, then, uh, white conservatives, <laughs> we don't talk like this. The left talks like this. And that is why we have the racial angst. Once again, if you're not looking at the television, well, none of this stuff really exists now, does it? My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. My name is James T. Harris, filling in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. I've been hearing for us from some folks on, on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, they're agreeing with me. I, I think that if you want to uh, see just how not racist America is, 
cut off the television set. That's that's the key. That's the first step. You can follow me on Twitter at James T. Harris. And, of course, Facebook is James T. Harris Media. Um, I, I, I really believe when I sit down and I watch these shows that I have to do this for a living. I have to kind of be informed on what's going on. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't spend much time with them. And I don't go to the late night shows at all. It used to be about comedy. It's not anymore. The Jimmy Kimmel's, they're all, this is how you know everything is politicized. And this is how you understand the power of the dark side. The power of media. When I get into political discussions with people, I can tell you where they got their information from. I can tell you what network they were listening to. It's, it's to the point where I can read the stitches on the sat, on, on the soft, on a fastball, actually. This is what I do. I play softball and fastball, you know, well, I used to. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's rote. It's, rehearsed its talking points and you heard them on a talk show especially conservative talk shows you can you can hear we'll we'll loop them for you we'll play you a montage of all of these media people saying the same thing now i've been accused of that i'm sure conservative talk show hosts have been uh, accused of that but we don't get talking points believe me i think it's because we have similar ideals I just heard from someone on, on my Facebook page saying, you know what? I've been saying the same thing for years. Cut off the television set and then then show me where the racism is. We are a blessed nation. We have come such a long way. We are a blessed nation. And we have come such a long way. How come that is never recognized? If you want to weigh in on this conversation, just call 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My parents are from Mississippi. We would make the trip down uh, maybe once or twice a year. Uh, we started uh, driving down in the 1960s. I remember my dad's rambler. I remember his uh, deuce and a quarter. We would have to roll down the windows. Yes. There were no such things as seatbelts. You just rolled around with the turns, twists and turns. <laughs> there was no such thing really as interstate highways when we were first starting out. And then this, this whole tradition developed out of this. We call it the Harris tradition. The vacation does not start until you get there. Vacation starts when you get there. And I carried that tradition on, you know, into my married life. Grew up and married a beautiful woman, three three perfect little children. And uh, when the first one was born, I wanted to take them to Mississippi, to the ancestral lands, to meet the peoples. So we jumped in the car, the minivan, excuse me. Now we got bucket seats. We even have TV sets to entertain the children. When I was growing up, you had to have your imagination. Now they got TV sets and, yeah. Built right into the back of the headrest. We're driving down to Mississippi. My wife got tired. She said, hey, let's stop at a hotel. I'm like, well, why? Because I'm tired. We can, you know, let the kids swim and get some food. I'm like, no, no. The vacation does not start till you get there. It's a hair tradition. And my mom happened to be driving down with us. Like, tell her, mom. Tell her about the hair tradition. What my mom said next blew my mind. She said, well, son, we did it like that because we had to. 
It was the 1960s. It was the South. We couldn't stay in hotels. So what happened once we stopped at a store and the store clerk followed you and your sister around afraid you were going to steal something and I was so upset by that we decided never to expose you to that again. So I would pack a big lunch and we would just pack food and put it in a cooler and we put it in the back of the car and we drive to Mississippi and then the vacation started when we got there because we couldn't really stop any places. Remember the time we stopped for a burger? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was the magic trick. See, dad would play a magic trick. Close your eyes and then, okay, open your eyes again. He'd be right back with the food. How do he do that? It's magic. No, actually, my mom had us close our eyes so we didn't have to see my dad walk to the back of the restaurant to order the food and then come back. See, my parents created this Harris tradition to shield my sister and I from overt racism in the South. My mom went on to tell me more stories that blew my mind. Like uh, she didn't had never really spoke to any white person when she was growing up in Mississippi or maybe a store clerk or somebody putting gas in the car. Otherwise, she had knew, knew no one, no one who was an American of European descent. So all those years of me going to Mississippi with my parents, my sister, and I, we never interacted with Americas of European descent. I'm driving down the highway and the scales are falling off of my eyes. And I'm also realizing because of my parents trying to protect me from all this stuff, there were some things that I just did not see or understand about the South that are not necessarily bad. I just was never exposed to it. So my wife says, I'm tired. Let's stop at a hotel. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to play into the Harris tradition? Am I going to continue out of fear? An unfounded fear, really? A fear of the unknown because we, this is the way we always done it, even though it was built out of trying to protect us. From something that was very harmful. My parents didn't want us to grow up with a chip on our shoulder. My parents didn't want us to grow up angry. But my parents' people are in the South. So how do they protect their kids from this? Well, I decided to pour out my cup of sorrows and I stopped at a hotel and we had a great time and the kid went swimming and we ate and we enjoyed ourselves and we jumped in the car the next day and finished the trip down to Mississippi. Yeah. I didn't have to do that, though. Did I could have just held on to that Harris tradition that was based out of something that was dark. Oh, this country is amazing. And we have come such a long way. And I refuse to hold on to that old myth that this is a racist country. I'm pouring that out. Poured it out years ago. And some folks are not happy that I've done that. Some folks are not happy that that's my view. Some people say, that's just you, but I, well, okay. You could choose to hang on to that if you want. It's not like we have not, or I haven't run into things. It's just that my saying is, it's only racist if you want it to be. Oh my goodness. That is so liberating.
And then the one time when it is racist, believe me, you'll know it. Hatred can't be masked. That kind of hatred is just so vile. You're going to feel it. You're going to know it. And I guarantee you, you're not going to go out and start protesting and marching and singing We Shall Overcome. You're going to confront the ism head on because it's so shocking to you. Did you just, it's wow. Our country has its warts. We've had our problems, but my goodness, you still have people flocking here trying to steal their way into this country because it is a, it is a paradise compared to other places on this planet. And we've dealt with our issues and we continue to pour out that cup of sorrows and embrace the opportunity of a shared history. You know, we're going to talk about, uh, I, I, what? no, I don't want to talk about impeachment. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the deep state. I don't want to talk about FISA. But we're just going to bring you up to speed because that is our job. We can't stick our head in the Christmas hole, Christmas holly, eggnog, and all that kind of stuff, and ignore how the Democrats are continuing to to plan to to overthrow to hmm to yeah overthrow this president and his administration we're talking about a bona fide civil war going on here a cold civil war not a coup you've heard it described as a coup no this is a cold civil war my name is James T Harris sitting in for Glenn Beck this is the Glenn Beck program you're listening to Glenn Beck You are listening to the Glenn Bett Program. My name is James C. Harris. I am sitting in getting some interesting reaction from uh, my social media and some folks calling in. Uh, uh, one gentleman, uh, Dot, said, what about America's treatment of the, of the American Indians? Well, very good. Like I said, we have a very complicated history. And uh, we can already go back to the founding documents and see how the the American people, the nations that were here, were were known, were treated as, were called savages. We can see what happened under uh, President Jackson. Yeah, the Trail of Tears, all of that is true. We can lump that in right in there with slavery. Uh, we're not still like that, though, are we? We we're not. By the grace of God and by the shedding of blood, we've come a long way. And uh, uh, inst- institutionally, individually, we don't look down on folks as being savages anymore. So I would say that's to my point. That's part of our ugly past. But it's part of how we're blessed as a nation to be able to move forward, to get beyond it, to even apologize for it. Oh, we have a call here. Diane. Where's Diane? Diane in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Beautiful man. It's been ages since I heard your voice, really, because I moved to Pennsylvania. This is Liberty's Run, Diane. I knew you in Tucson, remember? I certainly do. A wonderful oh. artist, ladies and gentlemen. But listen Thank to the you. program and then create art based off of the melodious sounds of my 
my voice and content. <laughs> it's kind of true, kind of true. But anyway, my 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 point. I mean, you're making the best point I've heard in a long time that the, the racism is on TV, on the mainstream media, on the the narrative, on and and people who closely follow those sources of so-called news. But when you're down, and I said this to your um, call screener, when you're down here in the street with the rest of us, we don't have that going on generally. No. I mean, you, there, there may be some instances here and there, you know, but they're always isolated. They're always usually fueled by somebody who does listen or watch, you know, those sources and does not pay attention to, you know, who the person is in front of them and they just kind of, you know, they got a red hat on or, you know, oh, all of a sudden, you know, you're black, but now you're a conservative. So now you're a white supremacist, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just insane. And none of us out here, even a lot of liberals, because I was at Christmas with my entire liberal family yesterday, they mm -hmm. don't say anything, but when they talk amongst themselves, they group people up. It's, you know, it's I, <laughs> Diane, thank you very much for the call. It was great to hear from you. And you're ab she's absolutely right. I was talking to another friend uh, who happens to be actually a liberal, but she was with her liberal friends. And she was amazed at how they would group these people over here and group these people over there. And they were basically, you know, she's grouping conservatives. That doesn't exist. I'm telling you, the racisms that you see on the television, all these isms, they're not out there in flyover country. It exists on MSNBC, CNN, and in the Democrat Party. Chris in Alabama, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hi. Hi, James. Nice, uh, nice to be on. Um, now, I was um, calling in reference because uh, your story about the uh, young men that didn't know better. Yes, there? young child. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I thought that was really, really spot on because growing up, you, you don't. And it's our job as parents to always teach our children, um, you know, to, how to, you know, a break a cycle, so to speak. And uh, and I was telling the story uh, to the gentleman uh, when I called in. When I was growing up, I was about the ninth grade, and I had a friend of mine, and he was black. And um, went to school with him. I, 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 man, he was a great guy. Loved him to death. And um, I asked him to spend the night one night. He said, hey, go home and ask your mom if I can spend the night. Wait till she uh, for her answer and don't tell her that I'm blind. And then tell me what she says afterwards. And I, I did. And I went home. And, um, and you, this was like 1980, I guess. And... Um, the uh, so I did. I went home. I did that, and I, he, I came back to him. He said, "What did she say?" I said, "Well, she said yes to begin with, and then she said no." And he goes, "See, I told you." And I'm like, "How did you know?" I was totally oblivious and ignorant to it at the time, and I was like, and he explained it to me, kind of. He was, you know, I, I was just dumbfounded. I said, "You know what? I will never, ever." do that to my children growing up and there it is chris there it is right there you learned it you know your, your parents generation is your parents generation that's the way society is but you learned something you was like you know what i am not going to continue to drink from this cup of sorrows my name is james c harris sitting in for glenn beck this is the glenn beck program
You're listening to Glenn Beck.